Let's go over to our guest who's standing by. I gave you her background earlier in the program. Lisa Graves is the executive director of Center for Media and Democracy and the publisher of PR Watch, Source Watch, and Bankster USA. She previously served as a senior advisor in all three branches of the federal government, and she has been a leading strategist on civil liberties advocacy and is an adjunct law professor at one of the top law schools in the country, and uh, she's here to talk about how ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, is able to influence with PAC money and lobbying so many of the laws in our states. Nice to have you with us today, Lisa. Uh, Happy to be here. Let's go through why we should be concerned about ALEC and why ALEC's new initiatives are so important to all of us. Well, the American Legislative Exchange Council is a group that was founded a couple of decades ago, but it really has reached its zenith in the past uh, two years with a number of state legislatures uh, controlled by uh, leaders of ALEC, as well as a number of governors who who are alumni of ALEC. And um, ALEC describes itself as one of the largest, uh, in fact, the largest group of state legislators in the country. In fact, 99% of the operational costs of ALEC, uh, its budget is between six and seven million dollars a year, 99% of its budget is paid for by corporations, by corporate uh, foundations, by uh, CEO-funded foundations, and everything but legislative dues, which are only $50 a year. And so this is really a group that's largely funded uh, by uh, corporations and by uh, foundations from the from the right, the far right. And um, it uh, what it does is it gets politicians and uh, corporate lobbyists in a room behind closed doors, and they vote to approve so-called model legislation. That legislation then is introduced in state houses across the country, cleansed of any reference to the fact that it was previously voted on by corporate representatives sitting alongside politicians, and often it's been uh, rammed through the legislatures, um, as we've been, as we saw in Wisconsin last year. Um, key ALEC provisions were uh, pushed through the legislatures. And we also have seen some of these um, ALEC uh, ideas, these ALEC bills uh, popping up in the federal legislature, in the House of Representatives, which is led by two ALEC alums, John Boehner and Eric Cantor. So ALEC has an extraordinary influence, and we have a whole website dedicated to exposing them. It's called alecexposed.org. That's A-L-E-C exposed.org. And uh, we think it's important for Americans to understand how much corporations are doing to influence and rewrite our laws across the country. Now, Alex says that it uh, doesn't lobby. Uh, That's been disputed by Common Cause, which has filed a a request for investigation with the IRS. Um, Alex doesn't have a PAC. Um, But Alex um, has uh, legislators across the country who, um, under their bylaws, have, have a duty to get ALEC bills introduced in the state houses, and that's exactly what they're doing in state houses across the nation. How could the average person not be concerned when you have a group representing major corporations and they're sitting with their elected state representatives and they're coaching them on why a particular bill should be passed or one that is in existence should be taken away or watered down and the public will never know this. And how this came to be was 
uh, three years ago, there was an effort in New York State to pass mandatory vaccinations for all healthcare workers. They wanted to have four shots, two flu shots and two H1N1 shots. We only had about two to three days once we heard this and that it was going to be the law before we swung into action. The very first thing I did was when I was contacting some legislatures in, in New York, I said, where's your science on this? You know, who says this is uh, uh, the way it should be? What, 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 what proof is there that if they got these four vaccines that somehow they would be protected or they would protect patients? There was no science at all behind it. So because we had been working diligently in this field, we prepared 110 pages of scientific references showing that not only would they not be protected if they took these four, but they would be receiving 100 micrograms, 25 micrograms per vaccine of mercury, uh, mm. methyl, uh, ethyl mercury, and uh, which is extremely dangerous in the form of thimerosal. And these are all neurotoxics, uh, and this could have devastating effect. Plus, there, there was no actual studies to show that there was this was science-based medicine. So we held demonstrations in the Capitol, and we gave a documentary that we just had finished called uh, Vaccine Nation, showing the lack of science from scientists working in the field. We stopped them. Only after we stopped them, and only after I met with the three scientists who were, uh, uh, three doctors who were kind of the uh, top medical doctors in the state who represented the state's interest, and I kept saying, why are you pushing this through? Is there someone behind this? How in the world could you suddenly come up with this idea? Who came up with this idea? What's their science? You know, you're asking someone to do something, to put an ingredient in their body, and doctors don't want to do this. Nurses don't want to do this. Show us the science. They had no science to show us. Who, who was responsible? They wouldn't tell us who was responsible. Well, don't tell me you're going to pass a law and no one sponsored it. And now we found out it was ALEC, all right? And then they did in all 50 states. And then they went Gardasil in all 50 states. And why? The manufacturer of Gardasil is one of the members of ALEC. The pharmaceutical company are heavily represented on ALEC. So now when the state tells you you must do something or no longer are you going to be required to do something, we never know who's behind that. And to me, that rep shows that we do not have true representative government. Your thoughts on this, please. Uh, sure, Gary. I, I'm actually not familiar with Alex's uh, bill on uh, vaccination of healthcare workers or Gardasil, but I would say that it's precisely correct that Alex uh, members include major global pharmaceutical firms, and they have an array of efforts that they push both through Alex as well as in their um, lobbying directly to uh, state legislators and to members of Congress. We see that they spread their money around to both Republicans and Democrats, and they work to uh, influence politicians across the country to adopt policies uh, that basically increase their profits, always under the guise of health, of improving health or health access. But as we've seen in a number of instances, and as our fellow Wendell Potter has documented, um, the big pharmaceutical companies as well as some of the big um, health insurance companies, uh, their agenda really is not the same as what's best for the American people in many instances. Um, and in fact, often uh, the, the policies that they're pushing, whether it's tort reform, meaning 
changing the rules for uh, you if you're injured or killed as a result of one of their products are, are really designed to advantage the company over the person. One of the things we've seen, in fact, is an effort across the country that many of your listeners may have heard about, which is an effort to basically say that if a government agency like the FDA, the Federal, the Food and Drug Administration, approves a drug um, or approves a product, that you uh, uh, can't sue them. Uh, if your loved one is killed or injured, unless you can so, show some specific misconduct. Meanwhile, we know that the FDA is underfunded and uh, basically relies often on the studies produced by the pharmaceutical companies and medical device companies showing that their products are safe. And so just the idea that a mere approval by a government agency would absolve them of any liability if your loved one or you uh, is seriously injured by one of these drugs or products is just shocking. But that's part of the agenda that we've seen uh, being moved through these ALEC model bills, these ALEC model bills in the area of tort reform that we've documented on our site. I think that, um, I would say, I think sometimes people say, well, how is this different than ordinary lobbying? And it is, in fact, the case that the pharmaceutical companies have a tremendous influence in Congress and in the White House and of any party um, and in the state houses. But what's different with ALEC is that these lobbyists are actually sitting behind closed doors uh, for some of these companies, sitting alongside politicians, secretly, basically voting for these bills as equals, um, as equals to our elected representatives. And then those elected representatives walk out of that room in some instances and introduce those bills um, without telling you that they already pre-voted on them with these, with these corporations. It's really shocking. In any kind of ethical society, this would not be tolerated. I'm not concerned with the corporations. I understand their mindset. They're interested in maximizing their profitability for themselves and their shareholders. I understand the politicians. I respect very few politicians because I, I don't respect how a politician becomes a politician today. I don't respect the amount of money or any money that's used to generate the acceptance of a politician. So let's set those two aside for a moment. If we put all of our concern on them, we're not looking at the real problem. I consider that the biggest problem in America today is the American public's indifference to the hundreds of major crises that are happening that they're refusing to address on any level. Under one-tenth of one percent of the people participating in Occupy Wall Street, as a percentage of the population. That's 99.9% .9 of the population are doing nothing. No major advances against wars, against the bailouts by the Federal Reserve, against lack of transparency, against no major outpouring of, of contempt in the mainstream media on CNN at all, against the Defense uh, uh, Authorization Act and the power that gives not only this president but future presidents. None of these things that are happening to us, the degradation of our environment, the denial of global warming, uh, the amount of poverty, the amount of hungry children, the privatization, the pushing for more uh, private prison systems so that they can then continue the war on drugs, which gives them a lot more people that they're making a profit on by putting in a cell. And the average American is far more attuned to Dancing with the Stars or the latest uh, Prentice uh, reject than they are with anything germane to their future. There's the problem, and no one's talking about the public. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think it, it is, it's very sad um, what we've been seeing, which is 
the fact is that most uh, most Americans um, seem to, at least by the the Nielsen studies, basically seem to be very interested in what's happening with pop culture. Uh, in many instances, more interested in pop culture, even if culture is actually the word that should be ascribed to that, um, celebrities and such, as opposed to what's actually happening in their environment, in their government, in, the, in our democracy. And uh, that sort of apathy uh, is certainly uh, disturbing. Um, and it allows uh, these sorts of things to happen. It allows uh, groups that are focused on our government, uh, are focused on manipulating our government, are focused on manipulating the rules about our environment, for example, to have tremendous influence while no one is really looking. Although there, although I would say that there are a lot of people looking, and despite the fact that, um, that uh, as you point out, the majority of Americans aren't uh, out uh, in the streets, in essence, protesting, I actually think that the fact that so many people have come out across the country for these protests against Wall Street and against these Wall Street-driven policies of our government is a, is a major breakthrough, even though it's not enough, and it, even though it doesn't represent enough of a percentage of the population, I actually think that, that uh, there's a lot that has come out of people being willing to stand up. And um, so I'm more hopeful in some ways than I have been uh, before. Um, at the same time, I think that there are a number of people who maybe they don't protest, they're not out protesting on a regular basis, but they're very deeply concerned about what's been happening to our country and the extraordinary influence of corporations, uh, both before and after the Supreme Court's devastating uh, decision called Citizens United that unleashed corporations and billionaire CEOs and others to spend unlimited money influencing our elections. I think we have a growing awareness in this country that um, the corporate control of our democracy, the corporate influence that's distorting our laws is wrong, that our democracy, in fact, is broken uh, in many respects. And so I think we have more people than ever that are waking up to this situation and calling for something to be done, but we by no means have enough people yet who are awakened and are calling for action. I would add this thought, and I thank you. I appreciate, Lisa, those thoughts. I would say that we have different types of awakening today. I believe that we have the type of awakening where you, you and the people who support the Center for Media and Democracy and PR Watch and Source Watch and Banks for USA uh, are much more concerned, uh, tend to do a lot more research and, and really engage in the discussion. And then I believe we have a, an enormous amount of faux followers, people who say, yeah, I'm into, I'm into health. You know, you stand outside of a, a Whole Foods supermarket that last year was caught buying its uh, so-called 365 organic produce from where? Well, they, they, were, buying it from, uh, hmm. uh, they were buying it from China. Hmm. And, and yet you go into the supermarket, the largest department's alcohol. And then you look at all the stuff in their shopping cart. And you don't find most of it's healthy, only a tiny percentage, and, and it's not really supporting local small farmers. Just one example. Recently, uh, in my major travels around the United States, I had an opportunity to meet with a group of people to talk about globalization and what they could do. They all supported Occupy Wall Street. They all supported all the Occupy movements. So I said, all right, are you going to be a faux supporter or a real actual supporter? And they said, well, actual. I said, then why are you choosing to meet in a Starbucks? 
Why are you choosing to sit here and eat the very foods that are causing the diabetes that are made and profited by these mega corporations? You're wearing their clothes. You're wearing clothes made in Bangladesh. You're wearing shoes made in, in China. Um, you, you know, you're driving an over, uh, over, uh, oversized car. What part of this discussion is let's just talk about it versus let's do it? Are you taking your money out of their banks? Are you ripping up their credit cards? Are you putting your money into credit unions? Are you supporting local farmers' markets? Are you, are you out there showing solidarity? Are you uh, disengaging off the grid of corporate control? Are you going to stop before you vote Democrat or Republican and look for the best person, even if that person's not on the ballot, like a, uh, an Anderson who's out there? What's his first name? Rocky Anderson? Uh, who really represents a legitimate alternative, but he's not anywhere to be found, nor about four other people will, uh, around because they would, they would embarrass these people by their honesty and, their, and, and how they're approaching it. So what I find is that there's only maybe 2 or 3% of the activists in this country who are really committed by what they do, the life they live, where they put their money, their energy, and their resources to authentic change, and a whole lot of people are faux change. Final comment from you. Sure. Well, I, I think that there are, um, I think there's a substantial number of people, unfortunately, who um, have never thought about where their food comes from. Um, who um, who don't know? Uh, in essence, they have they lead a pretty consumer-based society. They have lo more loyalty to a particular corporate product brand. Um, let's say it's Coca-Cola, for example, um, than to having any understanding of what Coca-Cola does, where it produces, what its health or safety record is, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that that so there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness, a lack of maybe skepticism about some of these corporations and, and knowing what they're doing. On the other hand, um, there's a, a lack of information. You can, you can barely find information uh, about, uh, in many instances, where your, where your food is, is grown or manufactured. Uh, the candy bar companies in this country often, uh, you can see now in their packages that they say distributed by an American company, but you have no idea whether that, whether that product was made in China. Now, candy bars aren't the, aren't the optimal example. I just noticed it, you know, coming into Halloween, um, uh, how, many of the, how many of the companies uh, say that they're distributed by a U.S. company, um, not telling you where their products are made. Um, the fact is, is that it's actually hard, I think, for some consumers to, to figure out, some, some citizens who really even actually probably shouldn't be called consumers or shouldn't identify as consumers, to, um, to find out choices to make. But I do think that people are increasingly making those choices. There's a growing movement on local food uh, as opposed to uh, corporate food or, or food uh, grown abroad out of season and shipped uh, across the country. There's a growing uh, number of people who are trying to uh, find energy-efficient cars or who are, are using older cars rather than, um, you know, getting a car shipped for, in from overseas. Um, there are a growing number of people who are pushing for local local shopping to local businesses. Um, these movements are, are sort of in some ways just beginning. Um, and I, I'm not sure that I, I – there certainly are some faux uh, pro, faux. Uh, protesters or something, but I, I prefer to think of them uh, less um, as intentionally um, uh, doing something and being hypocrites than people who um, are just beginning, perhaps, their process. Okay, well, let's, of, give, let's give yeah. them a benefit of a doubt, and yeah, we've got a year ahead of us, 
and let's try to see that what we do is authentic and we can do it daily in our own yeah. lives. And I thank you very much. We're out of time, Lisa, for all the good work that you and your different organizations are doing. And let us keep reminding ourselves, do not trust anything your state legislator is supposedly doing on your behalf to you do your homework and ask them directly. Have you met with now or in the past anyone from the American Legislative Exchange Council, Alec? Did this come to your attention because of them? In which case then you should say shame on you for thinking I am too dumb not to figure some of this out for myself. And let's make them aware we will not vote them back into office. All the best to you, Lisa. Thanks, Gary, and thanks for your call for authenticity. I really appreciate it.